You are listening to Wealthy Muslim Woman Podcast, episode number 25 with Saima Ali, MD. Assalamualaikum everyone. I hope everybody is doing wonderful, wonderful and getting ready for the upcoming year 2020. I still can't believe it that so much time has just elapsed and where I am today and where I was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 25 years ago. It's just amazing the turns that life takes. So today I wanted to talk about my journey to become a doctor. I've been asked by a lot of people what it feels like, how did I decide to go with it and how I feel about it right now but I choose this career all over again and most of these are youngsters in college studying and trying to pick their major so I want to make sure that I do a justice with the topic I know there's a lot of issues with the healthcare system right now and I will speak about that at some other point. But today, I just wanted to concentrate on my journey, how I went to medical school and what my experience was during residency and afterwards. If you grew up in a Desi household, then you know the idea of being a doctor was put into your head at a very, very young age. You are either going to be a doctor or you're going to be a lawyer or an engineer. These are the only three careers that our parents and our prior generation was familiar with. And being a doctor is emphasized much, much more than the others for some reason. So I remember when I was really young in my tiny village in Pakistan where we only had primary school and then secondary school up to eighth grade had just come in and started being offered and I remember being there and saying that I will be a doctor and an uncle of mine telling me yes you can be a lady doctor and by being a lady doctor I think he really just meant that I was going to be a lady a woman and a doctor not necessarily an OB-GYN and I remember that thought and it feeling good and uh it was just a plan, something that I was going to do. However, if I had stayed there or even after I moved here, the chances of that happening were not necessarily high. For staying, if I had stayed there, then girls don't really go to school beyond a certain time. And I probably would not have studied beyond that time either and probably got married and had kids at a younger age. And uh, coming here, I had to struggle and deal with deal with my own blocks that I had in my head about how I have to learn this whole new language and I have to start learning all this new material and I am just not going to be good enough and be able to learn all the material that you would have to as a doctor. And I started volunteering at a hospital when I was in high school and I would look up to the physicians and wanting to be in that spot one day, but never really actually believing that I could do it. I remember one of the conversation I had with the resident was, oh my God, you probably have to learn about every single cell in the body to be a doctor. And how do you even remember that stuff? And how do you even 
learn all that material and your brain how does it even have capacity to store that and that was my impression and then i remember just having this epiphany one day i was walking to go to college and i was having a really bad time adjusting and uh, not doing well and i just told myself that i will be successful I told myself that I was either going to be a doctor or I was going to be a finance person on the Wall Street. These were the only two options I had and it did not matter which route I chose because I will be successful with either one. And I just decided that that day that these two will be my options and I just got to pick one and stick with it. and i discussed earlier how because i had moved to the us at such an older age i feared that i didn't know as much and that i could never have a conversation with another person so i just had to learn and read and take as many classes as i can so i was taking classes in every field that i could find i was taking classes in philosophy and psychology and music and economics and sciences and medicine i was just trying to take and absorb as much as i could so i could have a conversation with other people and i literally could have graduated with a bunch of majors and bunch of minors because i had extra credits and i was taking so many classes in each area that i could have literally graduated with anything I decided to major in economics because that was something that I was really interested in and I found it really fascinating and freeing knowing that for medical school I did not have to major in any of the sciences and I could major in anything I wanted and just take the prerequisite classes and still go to medical school if I wanted to later on. Now up to sophomore year my family had thought that i was going to be a doctor and that was the discussion that we were having at home but personally i started to question that because i knew the road was going to be long it's 4 years of medical school and minimum 3 years of residency and then life doesn't get too much better after that either so i was really concerned and the major question i had was do i want to do this because i want to be a doctor or am i pursuing this because my family and my culture and everybody else around me wants to be a doctor and i and i remember that day very clearly as a sophomore i told my mom that i was not going to be a doctor and that's a very memorable day because i remember my mom throwing a huge fit and she threw away my books on the floor and she said well if you are not going to be a doctor then there is no point of going to college you are going to stay home you are going to learn to cook and you are going to learn to clean and you're going to get married and have kids there is absolutely no point to getting any education if you are not going to be a doctor and very surprisingly my dad came to my rescue at that time and it's very surprising because my dad is the one who had been against a women's education from the beginning that if you let girls study then they become spoiled and they don't listen to you so girls should not 
go to school after a certain time and you should get them married early and let them get settled in their life and have babies. And surprisingly, he came came and he said, it was okay that that's not the end of the world if I don't want to be a doctor and that I can still go to college and I can still be somebody else. And I did not have to be a doctor. And that actually felt pretty amazing and really good because now I knew that that's not a step that I have to take just because my parents and everybody else expects of it from me, but I can decide to do it if I want to do it. I still was not decided on going to medical school though, but I continued to take the prerequisites just in case. So for me, I I'm the type of person who has backups for her backups. I have to plan for every possible future outcome and try to do the best I can in the moment to prepare for every different step that I I might take to um, that I may decide to take in the future. So I continue to take chemistry, organic chemistry, and organic chemistry was one of the worst subjects ever. I honestly still don't understand why we have to study that. I, I kind of do understand why we have to study it, but the way it's taught and the way there are structures that you have to memorize, I don't understand the point of memorizing things and then drawing them when you can just go to a book and look something up. So organic chemistry was very, very challenging for me, and I did not do well in that at all. And I thought that I had blown all my chances of going to medical school, and I was glad that I was majoring in economics still, so I would have something to fall back on, because I probably will never, ever get into medical school. The other thing with medical school was taking the MCATs and... That is basically a test of your language, your ability to understand English and comprehension and everything. And I just thought that I could never learn that and I could never do well on it. And the most surprising aspect of that is that I actually did much, much better in the English part of it than the regular part, the other sciences parts of it. Uh, At that time, you had to take MCAT. It was given in person as an eight-hour exam. So it was the whole day exam that you had to go and sit and take it with a pencil and a paper. And uh, I took it and I actually did very well in sciences section and not as well in the other, but it wasn't super horrible. But I remember talking to kids who were born here and raised here and they had not done well in English classes and they were just surprised and wanting to take my score away from English and just, you know, that would improve their score so much more. But even after taking the MCATs, I just did not believe that I could get into a medical school. And I remember doing mini medical school at Mount Sinai and being involved in other things. Uh, we created COSIGN, which is a, a college student interest group in neurology to improve our chances of getting into medical school. But I just never really believed it. And then one day my friend tells me, that there are Caribbean schools for medical school. And I 
was just surprised. I think I was already in my junior year. I had never heard of them before. And I asked her, I was like, well, what is it? And she said, well, it's easier to get into them. They are offshore and you don't have to have as high of a GPA and you don't have to have MCAT at all for some of the schools or you know, not necessarily high school high scores for other medical school. And I decided to look up, look these up. And I remember going to Ross's open house kind of thing on Times Square. And then later on ended up applying. And the most surprising part was that my parents actually let me go abroad to study. I think they wanted me to be a doctor so bad that they were okay with me going on a different country and studying there. And that was a huge deal in itself. Before going to medical school, I remember having these discussions with my friends uh, at the time and my friends currently, who discussions about how it will take your whole life to become a doctor and that you may never have a family life, you may never have kids, and uh, how hard or how difficult it will be to manage the two and I have friends who decided not to pursue medicine because this reason, because they wanted to get married and have a family and they said no to medicine. And then another discussion at the time that, that we were having is taking out loans on interest and how some of my friends thought that was haram and they decided not to go to medical school because they did not want to take out any loans. So at the time, I remember it being a tough decision and thinking about it, whether this would be the right decision or not. But for me, I just decided to pursue medicine and started studying. And it was not easy while being on the island and studying. I That was basically your whole life. You had no life outside of that. I was lucky that I went to Ross University and they had a program where all your lectures came out on online on the computer and you did not actually have to go into class to study or to take a lecture, but you could do it online. And that's what I ended up doing mostly because I learned better by myself than when I'm with a bunch of other people. I learned by teaching and I learned by just reading and writing and just doing things on my own. So that really helped me and it saved me a lot of time because I learn at like a faster pace. So I don't like to watch the videos at their normal speed or be in a lecture. I would get bored the, how slow things go. And so I did it online and I would do, I would listen to the lectures at a speed of 1.5 or 2. And that helped me get through the lectures faster and then devote more time to learning on my own and reading on my own. So that really worked out in my interest. But there were many people failing each semester. The dropout rate was really high for us. And that was always a fear that you could fail any of the classes at any, any, any time. And then USMLEs, the United the US medical licensing exam was the next most challenging part. And many 
of the foreign graduates do not pass the exams or do not do as well. And if you do not do as well, you are basically unable to get a residency. And that means unable to get a job as a doctor. And you are stuck with very, very high loans and uh, with no real way of paying them back. So that was the second challenging part. And I remember just telling myself that, well, if I do not do well on USMLE step one, there's a couple of exams that you have to take, that my backup was that I was going to be a teacher. I was going to drop out right away from medical school after the two years, and I was going to go get a job as a teacher and try to pay my loans slowly over time, and that at least I would have retirement and other things that are better options coming from the government. So again, I have backups or my backups and I have to think of different escape routes when something may go wrong. But Alhamdulillah, I did very well on step one and that gave me some encouragement that I could match into something that I like. And for me, my first love was neurology and has has always been. I remember seeing seizures as a child in Pakistan and kids being taken to saints for treatment and again at the moment I didn't really know this was a medical condition or and this is something that may have a treatment but it was something that intrigued me and I wanted to be able to help them and that was just in back of my head that somehow I could help seizure patients and I remember my first case as a medical student I was at Wyckoff doing my internal medicine rotation and my very first patient was a hemi neglect patient this is when you have stroke on the right side of your brain and you basically forget or do not see anything that's on the left side so basically your your vision is intact everything is intact and you have no weakness as in you're able to use your hands your legs you're able to walk but you just do not see one side of the world and the patient is unaware of it. They do not actually know that they're not seeing a whole side of the world and these patients have interesting presentations or interesting lives and that sometimes they will do makeup on one side of their face and completely neglect or not see the other side so the other side is not done. They will comb the hair on the right side but everything else on the left is uncombed they may wear shoes on the right but not on the left they'll put on a pant that's on on the right but not on the left so they have a really interesting presentation and this first patient I did not actually pick it up I did not really know what hemineglect was at the time and I remember seeing the patient and he had all the food left on the left side and not on the right side and when I went to evaluate the patient with the attending who's a neurologist he is my role model and the reason I really decided to pursue neurology and he was examining the patient and the patient would turn all the way around to see him when he was on the on his left side and then he really did further examination and told us how the patient was acting and what was causing it and that was just mesmerizing that was just so fascinating there are so many so many things in neurology so many cases in neurology that based on stroke that you have in certain part of the brain and how they present, I definitely recommend reading Oliver Sacks. He was one of 
the most amazing neurologist and he has many books. One of them is called A Man Who Mistook mistook his wife for a hat and that's a really good book but he has 11 or 12 12 books and there are all amazing presentations of neurological patients so that was really fascinating for me and but again people were saying don't pick neurology because neurology is kind of like hospice care this is patients who were seen as end-of-life care even in 2011 and uh, there's not much you can do once patient had a stroke and you basically just provide comfort care and not much in terms of treatment and uh, I'm glad that I learned that that was not true even at the moment and uh, I just decided to pursue neurology because that was my passion and something that I really wanted to do. The other thing that I considered doing was radiology, but the only reason I wanted to do radiology was because I had learned that you are able to work from home looking at at images on a computer screen and you can be home and just work from home and that was very enticing in case I decided to have kids and I wanted to be home but I decided to go with neurology and follow my passion because that's something that I really really loved anyways I matched into my top choice which was in Virginia I loved that program when I visited and I just thought it was going to be a right fit and I matched there and residency was the most challenging part for me. I went through a lot. I got married with somebody from Pakistan and uh, went through a divorce within a year and uh, abusive relationship and that by itself was very challenging and then on top of that being in residency which with the odd hours so in medical school I was able to study and do things at my own pace mostly Um, not in clinicals because you had to be be there but still in clinicals once you were off you were off and you were able to sleep and do whatever you wanted to do for me sleep was the most important thing ever and in medical school too I used to try to sleep at least 20 uh, at least eight hours a day and in I remember in um, during my clinicals rotation and in, in surgery I had a rotation that was um, a, a call that was 24 hours long and I remember literally sleeping 24 hours after that call because I was just so exhausted and so sleep was very important and in residency that's something that you had to give up I had to wake up very early in the morning five six in the morning and I was at home till like five six in the evening time and then especially when you were on night call it was very challenging thankfully by that time they had switched to where 24 hour call was no longer allowed for uh, the programs you could only do a max 12 to 14 hour shift so that really helped but it was still challenging in that you are learning to manage patients and learning to this is the first time you feel like you are managing patients on your own even though you have a lot of support but you just feel very a lot of autonomy and you just feel that you are dealing with others lives and you could hurt somebody so that in itself is a huge challenge to overcome so residency was a tough part. I was very depressed. I would cry on the holidays. I had uh, pretty much cut myself off from all the people. 
and I was on my own and struggling with a bunch of things, not in personally, relationships, work, everything. And I remember saying, why did I even choose this career? Why did I decide to become a doctor? I should never have picked this. And a lot, a lot of regret around my career choice at the time. Okay, I just realized that the podcast is getting really long and I have to run for my work. So I'll try to keep it a little bit short. But yeah, residency was a very challenging part. Fellowship, I by fellowship time, this is like three, four years later, I had remarried, moved to New York, and I was doing a fellowship at North Shore LIJ in epilepsy, my love. Um, but that was also a challenging part. I was pregnant, and uh, then I had my daughter in October of uh, that year. I was working while I was in labor because I wanted to save as many days as possible for the maternity leave afterwards. So I remember having the contractions and everything. It was actually a weekend call and uh, on a Saturday and I was having contractions and then I even just went home and reading studies and uh, still continued to have contractions. And then it got really bad by Saturday night and I had to call my attending and tell them that I will not be able to take the call any longer. And after that, I had a a really challenging time trying to go back. I just became very attached to my daughter and I just didn't trust anybody to take care of her. And that was a very, very challenging time as well. I was glad that I found a daycare that was in the hospital. And I was able to go into the hospital in the morning, drop her off, and then go around, do the morning stuff. And then at lunchtime, I was able to take a break and go see her again and breastfeed. And that was very, very helpful. And then um, after, you know, work, I I was able to just go and pick her up and go home. But again, that was very challenging. And then... When I was getting an attending job, I first signed up with Jamaica Hospital and I was trying to find a daycare for my daughter. We had moved to New Jersey, but I was going to commute to New York to work there. And I went to see a couple of daycares in New Jersey and they were just awful. I think New York has much better regulations and the teachers or the daycare people were always afraid that somebody from the state was going to come evaluate them. They always had a really great ratio of teachers. And no, the kids were never without their teacher. And the way they cared for them, everything was just perfect. And they had a perfect checklist and they would do everything very, very well. In New Jersey, that was not the case. I think the Jersey State only visits daycares maybe once a year or something. So they were not afraid of that regulation. And they were constantly going above their ratio. I left my daughter in there for like a day or two. I think it was for three, four days, but I was um, there and monitoring her. And I was like looking from the cameras. And I remember seeing one of the teachers uh, change a diaper of another kid and not even wash her hands and go handle another kid. When I tried to breastfeed her at that daycare, they told me that I had to go to the bathroom to breastfeed her, that I could not do it in the room. And then I also noticed that 
at times there was one teacher and uh, 10 to 14 or even more kids and this is like young age babies infants and I remember just crying so much that I just couldn't deal with that I'm like I cannot leave her here I have no no way to leave her and I did not trust leaving her with a nanny at home alone because you hear all these stories about nannies abusing kids and um, hitting them and I was just so afraid of that happening that I did not trust leaving her with anybody alone I trusted daycares more so that was a very challenging part and then um, we decided to leave her with my mother-in-law who lives 10 minutes away from us so I did that for about six months where she was with my mother-in-law and she would take care of her but I hated leaving my daughter and going to work. I just hated it. I would think about it and then I would be stuck in traffic and I would cry. And I had a hard time just letting it be. And a couple of months into my job, I learned about intraoperative monitoring. And I learned that I did not have to do any special fellowship by already had the training as a neurologist and that I qualify I qualified for this job. What intraoperative monitoring is that when patients go in for surgeries, as any spine surgeries, any surgeries where their nervous system may be at risk, they uh, they require intraoperative monitoring where they get hooked up to studies called EEGs, EMGs. And there are technicians in the OR who hook up the patients and then you are they are able to upload the studies online and I am able to see those studies live from home and monitor them. And when I learned about this, I basically just jumped on the opportunity and uh, just being able to work from home was the biggest relief that I could get at the moment. And I am still glad that I took that step and I am home working and I have help uh, to take care of my kids, but they are not far away, unsupervised. They have somebody who's taking care of them, and I am not far away just in case. So that has been very, very helpful. Now, I know it's taking too much time, but I am trying to answer as many questions or as many concerns as I can. But the last point that I want to make is that... I am happy and I am content with all the choices that I made through my life. I am very happy that I decided to go to medical school. It was very challenging. All the struggles that were there were very challenging. I remember my first medical class, our professor, this uh, Indian guy, he was saying that, you know, women should not be going into medicine or and delaying having babies he said many of my students come back to me and say they're having kids with down syndrome this is a genetic disorder with uh, and the risk increases if you have kids after a certain age usually after 35 and 30 is usually the time when most physicians are finishing up their training and trying to get married and can uh, having kids can be delayed much later and then fertility issues and all those things increase after certain age as well so all all those are the challenges that you have to consider and be able or be willing to work through but i am glad that i made the choice to stick with it and to go through with it where i am today i am happy 
it was not easy. But I don't think anything in life is easy, and nothing just comes to you. If you want to be successful in any field, you're gonna have to work, and you're going to have to make certain sacrifices. Nothing is just gonna come through. You will have to work. You will have to have these discussions with yourself and with others, with your family members, and it can be challenging, but it can be done. So my last recommendation is if this is something that you really want to do and this is something you see yourself as a physician then it is definitely something that you should pursue and not let other thoughts block you from choosing this career and yes I have gone very much over time but I'd love to talk about this at some other time until so until next time inshallah bye